0: Welcome back, Star Wars fans, to another episode of Coruscant Radio Underground from the sciencefictionary.com. I'm Andrew. And And I'm I'm, Marisha. And and that's
1: Marisha. Hi. (laughs) I I don't know what happened, but sorry. uh, I was um, trying something new. It it didn't work. I you gotta warn somebody. (laughs) Sorry. You're supposed to be able to read my mind, honey. We've been married almost twelve years. It It hurts. hurts. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't very nice.
0: Anyway, um, I, you, we haven't been around the last few weeks. I think that the this uh, the whole Corona thing has just really thrown us off our game as of late.
1: And Andrew needs to find some other podcasting friends. His wife is unreliable. <laughs> we we've been
0: we've been doing the science fictionary podcast, but we're. We're sort of committed there because we have other people counting on us to show up. Exactly.
1: Like, David has, like, made plans with his family to let him have bandwidth on Thursday night <laughs> so that we could record. <laughs> we, so, like, have to be there. Right. It's a so, commitment.
0: The one where we don't have to, we haven't done real good with. And also, in the, with the lack of news, and good thing is Mandalorian's coming. That's going to give us stuff to talk yes. about. Um, with the lack of news, we went from from starting this podcast in the midst of all these movies being made all and the all Star these things Wars being news. announced. Yeah. And, um I don't think we ever counted on making a Star Wars show in a vacuum in like the complete absence of news and I have the utmost respect for the podcast that have done exactly that. These pod- some of these podcasts that have been around forever like uh RFR and they, they do this, and, and they're able to put together shows from just what exists, and, mm-hmm. and that's pretty impressive. Scarif's
1: um, real good about that, too. Yep. Rose, excellent at, like, let's just, like, talk about this random thing. And I, we did a good
0: job with that at times, but I think we started relying so heavily on the news. Because there was
1: so much of it.
0: Um, But I think we have—so we haven't been around. I feel bad. It's been several weeks since we even recorded this show, but— I think that we've kind of found somewhere we want to go with the show, at least for the next few weeks, probably until The Mandalorian kicks off. Mm -hmm. And um, kind of taking some inspiration from our other show, where we've been doing these series on the pillars of science fiction, the pillars of fantasy. We kind of have another one a little bit in the works that we'll talk about a little bit down the road, another uh, pillar series. But I think that we're more or less going to take a deep dive into the things that shaped Star Wars, uh, whether that be the Kurosawa films, the the Spaghetti Westerns, the uh, Flash Gordon, all these things that really helped George Lucas shape his creation. And so over the next few weeks, that's really what we're going to be doing. But today, we're going to just jump into this Mandalorian trailer. Now, we already talked about it last night with... Uh, a bunch of our 17
1: other people (laughs) right a bunch
0: of our friends from the red five network but we didn't get to say everything we wanted to say and um there there's uh there's still a lot to say about it i mean overall you kind of tv trailers i I look at them a little different than movie trailers where i'm like you're talking hours of material and, and you're talking a trailer that's short or, you know, as short as or shorter than a movie trailer. So you're not getting much in a trailer for a TV series. And and TV series trailers are not nearly as important. Companies generally don't focus on TV trailers nearly like they do movie trailers, and, and rightly so. I, I don't want to, I don't need to see everything. And I, they didn't have to do a lot. I mean, let's be honest, at this point, they didn't have to do a lot to sell us on
1: you just had oh, to the show the child doing something cute and the Mandalorian looking badass. Right. Which is pretty much what we got.
0: Pretty much. Um, there are some some interesting scenes, you know, and we're going to rehash some things that we talked about months ago mm-hmm. as far as rumors of who might show up and and who might, but now suddenly those things are becoming a little more real with a trailer and mysterious characters showing up. Uh, X-Wings with astromechs that may or may not be R2-D2. Probably not R2-D2, but it's the same type of astromech, at least, which is kind All of cool. I, also a little weird, because R2 was, I guess, a little bit of an outdated astromech.
1: But, but if you think about it, the Rebellion was kind of operating with a fair amount of kind of outdated equipment. That's
0: they true. They show up with a bunch of now this is
1: Wars era.
0: Now, this is firmly New Republic era, though
1: beginning of the new republic
0: right but i mean jakku the battle of jakku is still several years before the mandalorian starts which means even though there are remnants of the empire which you have this massive galactic empire of course there's remnants you know that that's the that would be the case with any large group even on a planet if you had a a large-scale war that covered half the planet of course, there's going to be remnants of of armies out there. And so, not to mention, Moff Gideon doesn't really need more than, like, a Star Destroyer's worth of equipment and people. I mean, that's a lot of...
1: Right, absolutely.
0: You know, we we forget sometimes that those Star Destroyers, each Star Destroyer is essentially a, a city. Yeah. So... A
1: fairly sizable city. Right.
0: So... Um, just kind of jumping into the trailer, um, we open up with what is probably—it grabbed me. They they chose a great shot to start it off with. We're rolling over this planet. We're getting—we've got a, either a moon or I'm assuming a moon and a planet in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, we We don't really know what this planet is, and we don't know if the one in the foreground is even important. We don't know— Which one he's headed to. Right. But he's limping along. One engine is just about dead, sparking. Uh, The ramp on the back is down, which can't be a good thing. (laughs) No, Um, It's sort of reminiscent of, uh, when this came by, like the ship's always been a little reminiscent of Serenity. I really think they've increased the detail in the ship. I yeah. think that the ship has a lot more detail in it this year. Uh, when I just look at it, it looks more. I mean, I loved the ship last year, but it looks even more complete now. Mm-hmm. But the engines look so much like Serenity. It, when you get that wing, that that engine coming by on the left side of the screen, it's just—it's like, it's, fly, like yeah. it, it's Firefly. It's, yeah. um, of course, this. You know, the the whole show is very reminiscent of Firefly in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, it really... It Which is kind of strange because it's... Well, it's really not
0: because Firefly influ- was influenced heavily by Star Wars, but right. it was influenced by that very specific Western element.
1: Exactly.
0: It was this idea of what if we did the Old West, but it's people venturing out into space instead right. of out West. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a lot of what Star Wars is and... So it makes sense that they sort of reflect each other. Yeah. it possibly even influenced each other.
1: Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's what good literature does. It's kind of, you know, it Im- influences a thing which right. influences another thing which goes back and influences the sequel for the first thing. <laughs>
0: right. So now uh, Rob from the Jedi Temple Archives made some interesting points with this possibly being Nar Shaddai, Uh which...
1: So what... Ever, like about half of the people, I felt like were like a Why don't you know what Narshadah is? So for those of us who may not know, like what what is that? That's clearly not a um, a movie right. locale. Right. So is that a? a- New can I don't remember I've read a lot of Star Wars. We have books.
0: not, as far as I'm aware, we haven't done Nar Shaddaa in anything new canon. Okay,
1: so this is an so old nerd. The fact that you don't location. know it is okay.
0: This okay. was done in the Knights of the Old Republic stuff. Okay, uh, it's in some books. Uh, Nar Shaddaa is also known as the Smuggler's Moon.
1: Okay,
0: this is the it, okay. So it's a moon of Nal Hutta so the Hut Homeworld. Ah, okay.
1: So, See now that that's context, right?
0: <laughs> so that might be what we're looking at here. Okay, is Narshada and Alhada, hmm. which would be really awesome. And if anybody's hmm. going to draw that sort of stuff in, I don't remember. They might have done Narshada somewhere along the way in some of the animated stuff, but I don't remember. Okay, um, but if you're doing underworld Star Wars underworld uh, crime syndicates and all that
1: mhm that's a good place to go that's a,
0: I mean this is kind of like you know there there are a couple places you go you go to Mars Isley, you go to Narshada okay um, it's it's that kind of place now Again, the planet in the front might not even be the important one. I also wonder with the, we did mention, or we didn't, there's actually some X-Wings that are going to show up a little later in the trailer. Mm -hmm. I sort of wonder if this is limping along after the (laughs) fight with the X-Wings.
1: After the run-in with the New Republic. Right. I mean, because you get the impression that the Mandalorian is, is the type who not only distrusts the Empire, he distrusts the Replacement you know he he doesn't really have any good reason to trust the uh the powers that be
0: right and and that's sort of like so in 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 real world let's go to real world context for a minute after the civil war in this country is when we saw the great westward expansion because yeah. suddenly everybody went the war's over I don't necessarily feel like I fit in this in in society anymore, right? You know, particularly these ex-soldiers.
1: A lot of whom probably have PTSD. Right. we For being honest.
0: I mean, yeah, because you're talking about really ugly, like yeah. you're, you know, killing people like face-to-face warfare, and yeah. Um, so. Westward, that's what really kicked off westward expansion were all these people that just kind of went, how far can I go to not be under the thumb of the government? Mm-hmm. Well, and that wasn't just realize- southern. That was northern soldiers, southern soldiers mm-hmm. that just went, I want to go somewhere, I want to be free and out from under the thumb of the government. And so they continued to move further and further west. Um, that's, that's really what we see kind of here is that we we're after the end of the Galactic Civil War, and we've got outward expansion towards the outer rim uh, to just like kind of get out of the way of this new government. And, and we already had some of that because people are just escaping the Empire, and running mm-hmm. to the fringes. But you know, people that are like they're not necessarily against the new government, but just like you know, leave me alone. The
1: government's never done anything for them, for them. Right. And I think, um, in fact, I was reading. Uh, heir to the empire, a couple of uh, a couple of months ago. I don't know. Time is, is a fluid thing, right now. That was probably six months ago. Um, but I was reading heir to the empire, and these um greet are whenever you know the New Republic sends emissaries there. They're like basically they 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 tell them you you never did anything for us. You know you were so busy with your giant galactic war. You destroyed our planet, and then you left and you didn't care. Right. You destroyed everything here. And then just... Did anybody even think to look at the fallout that your giant space war causes on the planet below? No. And so, you know, it's kind of the the shock moment where Leia realizes that everybody doesn't consider her to be the good guy. They don't consider... You know, she's like, well, but, it, but we were destroying a terrible evil. And they're like, well, what about the terrible evil here? and i think that that's what you're they're kind of exploring that a lot in these stories is all of a sudden you know you, you're seeing people who the the empire never did anything for them and neither did the the rebellion they're just sort of the incidentals they're they're the uh collateral damage and they really don't you know I, i'm going to be really surprised if the Mandalorian has any use for those X-Wings that seem to be trying to come up beside him.
0: Yeah, we're going to get to those X-Wings in a minute. But uh, we cut from the the Razor Crest, sort of not really totally drifting in space, but definitely limping. To one, we get a shot of the Mandalorian and the Child. So, you know, we reestablish that connection, walking through these dimly lit streets of... One could be Narshada, it could be Moss Eisley, it's so dark, who it knows? It could be anywhere. Um, they
1: got the little little floaty basket back, so right. that's exciting.
0: But then we cut to what I can't imagine is anything but Tatooine.
1: Yeah, I mean, we don't really see Tuscans and Banthas anywhere except Tatooine, do we? Uh,
0: not, no, not really. I,
1: I mean, it's their planet, right?
0: Right. So, and I mean, it. just the, everything about that screams Tatooine and the Bantha looks amazing.
1: I was, you know, I was looking at that and I was like, wow, you know, whenever the special editions came out, um, you know, in the nineties and George Lucas made Star Wars the way he always envisioned it. And now I look at this and I was like, oh, look, it's the way George Lucas always envisioned Star Wars. Right.
0: But done even better than he was able to do it. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's the technology has continued to to improve, and of course Favreau is the the master of advancing this technology Absolutely. right now. Absolutely. So say what um, you
1: will about Lion King, it looked real.
0: Yeah, um, but the you know that's got to be Tatooine. I, I'm excited it's Tatooine that you know we had some indication that Finnick Shand might not have been. Quite so dead as we originally thought?
1: I mean, I really hope not. I really hope that if you bring Ming-Na Wen in to play a bounty hunter, she doesn't just kind of get punked in the one episode and then just go forever. Right. I mean, she's just way too interesting of a character actor to just disappear that way.
0: Right. So, yeah, definitely would love to see Ming-Na Wen back. And maybe whoever the mysterious figure that...
1: With the clinking spurs, whether
0: it was Boba Fett or Cobb Vant. I I don't know. Um, So, one of the things I kind of want to step aside from the trailer for a minute to kind of talk about some of
1: that. Where I have thoughts. Well,
0: okay. okay, So we'll start off by what what are your thoughts? Because make sure we're going the same place. Okay.
1: So you know, last night there was a, a lot of discussion about how you know. If is it Cobb Vanth? Because Boba Fett doesn't have his armor right now. And I'm just thinking back to myself about um, conversations that we've had uh, in the past. And it's very clear that in Star Wars hierarchy, movies can change all the things. And I think that TV shows are also pretty high on the list of things that they're probably not going to completely do a 180 on anything that's been established as far as the spirit of it. I think that they've been really careful about sort of establishing the feel that they want things to have. They're not going to go and, you know, make Ahsoka a completely different kind of character than she was in the book. But if it became a better story in, you know, for example, in Clone Wars, the story worked a little better to tweak some of the details different than they were in the Ahsoka novel. They did it. right, And so I think if they decide that they want Boba Fett to be wearing that armor, all of a sudden, all of that, you know, kind of speculation about the armor and then this and then that, it's just going to be like, yeah, it wasn't Boba They're I think they're just going to throw all of that out.
0: Right. And they don't. Now that being said, they don't necessarily have to now at the same time, like, those Cobb Vanth, I, I don't really my least favorite parts of the aftermath books were those asides. Yeah. Um, not not that the Cobb Vanth ones probably weren't the best of those asides. Yeah. But the truth is, is I don't know if that was his way of like trying to pitch new books
1: mm-hmm.
0: or or what, but they're totally 100 percent useless to the story. They really serve as nothing but to make his book longer.
1: And to give people things to talk about Boba Fett. <laughs> right.
0: Now, but that being said, both the armor that shows up, the Mandalorian armor, is like alluded to as this sort of mystery. It's never outright said that's Boba Fett's armor. Right. Also, it's kind of indicated that Cobb Vanth is this mysterious figure who just suddenly kind of appeared and hmm. we don't really know who he is and we don't really know that that's not Boba Fett.
1: Yeah. And I think like I said, I think if they want Boba Fett in here, they get I think if Dave Filoni and John Favreau want Boba Fett, they get Boba Fett. Oh, and
0: Fett. I, you know John Favreau wants Boba Fett.
1: John Favreau wanted this whole daggum to thing to be a, Fett a Boba Fett story.
0: Now, look, I, I think that we left the Boba Fett story hanging. I know there's a lot of people. It's like it's this growing, like, cool thing to not like Boba Fett. Um, people overlook Boba Fett. People, well, it's, Boba Fett didn't do anything in the original trilogy. Well, he's literally the only one that was able to catch Han Solo. Right. Like, you know, he, he's a critical villain In Empire Strikes Back, like, it doesn't work without without the bounty hunter there. And not to mention Boba Fett just, like, all appearances where he's a badass. And, you know, I think the only thing that ruins Boba Fett for people is if he doesn't get unceremoniously dumped in a pit in Return of the Jedi, then he's remembered as the badass that captured Han Solo, not the guy that just, like, you know, had a bad had a bad Tuesday and fell down a pit. <laughs> you know
1: Well, so the other thing about Boba Fett is I think the people who were the biggest Boba Fett proponents tend to be EU fans because there was so much Boba Fett stuff because of course he was such a popular character. Right. There was so much Boba Fett lore written in the in the old um legends books. True. And so I find the people who are like, you know, Boba Fett's just a punk, tend to be people who um, are more recent acolytes of of Star Wars, and so they're like, what he fall, you know, and so I I think that honestly, I think it's a stupid thing for people to get so. Up in arms about. But hey, if you love Mandalorians, like you owe all of
0: this like material that's now being developed about Mandalorians to Boba Fett. It's true. Um, he is the prototype for all of it.
1: Which is, I mean, Boba Fett being so off the rails popular was the reason there was a Jango Fett in the prequels. Right. And that all the All that being said, I know there's a lot of people who are like, I don't want Boba
0: Fett to show up in this. It doesn't make sense for Boba Fett to show up in this. And that depends on what the story we're telling is, because so what Star Wars does is we tell individual stories, but against these big backdrops mm-hmm. um, it's kind of one of the things that I think the sequel trilogy might be the one of the key things that makes the sequel trilogy feel different is yeah, we have this big galactic war going on, but we don't really do much with it, yeah. But the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy are both set against this big backdrop Mm -hmm. of the political drama and this big galactic war. And our characters get wrapped up in it at times Mm -hmm. and then go kind of on their own journey. And then they get caught up in the big story again. And I think that Filoni and Favreau are telling that big backdrop story. Now, what I think they're telling is this big backdrop story is what happened to the Mandalorians and maybe what happened to the Jedi in this intermediate intermediate period. Right. We know there were other Jedi still lurking out there. Mm-hmm. We don't know that. I like the idea, and I, I talked about this a little last night on Scarif Live, is that if we had surviving Jedi, well, we know we had. We had Ahsoka. We might have had others. Is I like this idea that maybe we are seeing jedi not just luke skywalker reforming the jedi academy or not even ray restarting the jedi but that ray is kind of ray and luke were kind of the keepers of the old of the history of the jedi the old tradition the old traditions while we might have other jedi out there who have started training other on their own, that we've gone mm-hmm. back to what the, the ancient Jedi were, where we don't have a single school, a single temple on one planet, that mm-hmm. we see these small, more independent groups of Jedi, mm-hmm. maybe with slightly different schools of thought, Yeah, popping up around the galaxy. I really like that. I would love to see that. Um, I think that also allows us to find the the child's people right. without it having to be Luke. Right. The only end I see to that in Luke's story is death.
1: For the, for you. For,
0: for the child. Because right. of the way Luke's temple ends.
1: Right. You know, it's almost, I feel like uh, it's almost like the Protestant Reformation. You know, you kind of have, you know, like your big mover you have, Luther, who like has this moment of, oh, Changes the world, right? Mm-hmm. So he's like he's Luke Skywalker, but you also have these like isolated, almost very loosely related things happening in other parts of the world. You have Zwingli, and you have, you know, even Erasmus in his um his, his rationalism, um, who still stays associated with the Catholic Church, but he's kind of views things differently. You have, and so there are kind of lots of simultaneous movements happening. And just because you kind of latch on to the Anabaptists doesn't mean you're signing on with Martin Luther. You're doing your own kind of thing. Right. And so I feel like in some ways that's kind of what the Jedi are doing. They're right. sort of... And
0: we see that sort of thing across the spectrum for religions mm-hmm. where it's not all necessarily coming back to one school of thought. I mean, even with... You know, Buddhism and and Hinduism and, and all these religions, you see these different temples that have different methodologies, right? And so, um, I, I think that's a, would be a really interesting way to kind of have the Jedi beginning to reformulate, and maybe that we have Jedi out there that chose to that that are not they they're not enough of them yet that they really didn't get involved in the, mm-hmm. the second galactic civil war, not that they didn't exist. Right. Or maybe they're even dealing with other things. And not that you couldn't slowly work them into having been involved in other ways. Right. Um, but all that to say, like, we're telling this big backdrop story. We know we're telling the story of the Mandalorians, what happened to the Mandalorians. What the? I hope the story that we're telling is what the future of the Mandalorians is. I hope that by the end of the Mandalorian, whatever that is, however many years down the road that is, that we've restored... You know, a new Mandalore has taken up the title and restored Mandalore. Maybe they've got their planet back. Maybe they're, you know, we see the restoration of one of the great civilizations of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of want to see the same thing with the Jedi, of some sort of restoration that doesn't step on the sequel trilogy, but allows the Jedi to still be out there, but much like the uh, much like the uh, Mandalorians, they kind of have to exist in the shadows for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the thing. I want to see this develop where we get to see the Jedi and the Mandalorians somewhat begin to to return to their glory, and, glory days and reemerge from the shadows. Mm-hmm. I want to see the Mandalorians come back to power and suddenly we can take our helmet off because now there's no more fear of being driven apart and destroyed. Right. And what, you know, once your identity's known, and all these things, and um, so, if what we're telling is the story of the Mandalorians, we've got enough little teases out there about why he's not a Mandalorian. I don't know where he got that armor, even though Django was definitely from a Mandalorian world. What did that mean? Was he? We see Dinjar and kind of some of the other Mandalorians going you're working as a bounty hunter and working with our enemy. So maybe he was alienated for being a bounty hunter. Maybe he was alienated for any other reasons, maybe for selling out and allowing himself to be cloned or, um, you know, whatever it was, I I want to know, because the indication is that they don't just have like Mandalorian armor. Like they're wearing legit Beskar steel armor. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're telling the story of the Jedi, and if if there's some story left to tell about exactly who the Fets are, then by all means, they belong in the story. And I can't think, while I I my feelings wouldn't be hurt if they don't show up in here, at this point in time, this is the best place to finish telling their story. Yeah. They don't have to become major players in this. Right. Now... What way we see Boba Fett used in a lot of these other stories where he's popping up right now, like the b- these bounty hunter books, he's he's a rogue element, yeah, um, that can just show up at any point in time. Now I have to think if Boba Fett's alive. What I want to see, I don't need to see a whole lot, but if Boba Fett's alive and another man is wearing his armor, <laughs> I want to see Boba Fett take his armor back. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't need much more than that, but I want some indication. Like, Boba Fett has been a mystery for
1: mm-hmm.
0: a very long time now, yep. almost 40 years. Yep. So let's tell the rest of this story.
1: And I think you're right. I think that this is the ideal place to do it. And I really, I think that they will. Um, although, I I think it's likely... That, I mean, because Din Djarin is is clearly a Boba Fett stand-in in a lot of ways. He's, he's cast from the same mold um, as Boba Fett, for sure. In, in fact, you, I mean, you might could make the argument that that was his inspiration back in the day. You know, you've got this rogue, not quite Mandalorian, but, you know, I can do that and still keep my honor kind right. of thing. However, I don't think that they like each other. When they come in contact... I think that they are both way too distrustful and way too similar. I don't think that they're going to be buddies. Right. They they may be willing to work together because I think Boba Fett is an ideal person, honestly, to help him track down this information he's looking for. He's clearly good at finding people that don't want to be found.
0: Right. And look, there there could some something that character that shadowy figure from season one. It might be season three before they right. do anything with that, but that's the way feloni tells stories
1: that character's going to show back up we're going to find out who that was i really thought that it was going to they were going to tell us who it was before the end of the i really thought that was going to be the next episode was going to be like and here's what happened but it was just like nope and we're just going to leave it I, Bye. I i thought
0: we were going to get some sort of cutaway at the very end that was going to show that character again uh-huh. and show actually show them but kind of going from that back into the trailer uh but as far as well before we do that so, there's a lot of talk about do we want existing characters, to our our OG characters to show up here, or do we want to keep this about the new characters? But I I think that because of the journey this character that that Dendar and and the child are on, that there are characters that it makes a lot of sense for them to cross paths with, mm-hmm. and so. I'm not like just throw characters in there just to give us a, you know, make us cheer about something. Like, I want them to make sense in the story. But the more characters that you can make make sense in this story, I'm all for having them show up.
1: And I think I'm fine either way with existing characters or without. But I'm confident enough. I have enough confidence in the creative team after watching the first season of the Mandalorian that I'm confident that they bring them in. It's not going to be cheap. Does that make sense? It's not just going to be, I think it's going to be fulfilling and, and important and valid, you know, if, if they decide to bring those characters in, you know, even just for a brief in, in the same way that we spent an episode on Tatooine, like Tatooine's almost a character in star Wars, you know, and it wasn't just like, Ooh, Tatooine got to go to Tatooine. Cause it's a, you know, it was like it worked for the story, and it was, but we didn't have to like linger there and spend the whole series there because it was somewhere that we knew.
0: Kind of getting back into the trailer, we, we see this ice world, you know, it's kind of the next shot we get. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of debate because in, in addition to characters, there's a lot of we're going to go back to all these places from the originals. So a lot of people are, think this could be Hoth. I've also seen Ilum. Mm-hmm. Ilum's far more interesting here.
1: Illum's makes more sense, Ilum's. Ilum makes more sense.
0: <laughs> you for a minute there. Mm-hmm.
1: Ilum's make more <laughs> sense, does it? Yes, precious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, there's some interesting stuff in this shot. I, I think, Ilum, there's a shot, another shot of them somewhere in here of walking through these big ice caverns. Now, mm-hmm. if they're kind of going on a... One of the things I brought up last night was Force Collector. Yeah. So if they're kind of like somehow follow you know going to these places whether by purpose whether on purpose or whether just guided by the force and seemingly seemingly finding these places by accident
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know going back to the one of these places where where luke you know really for the first one not the first time but where he really reached out with the force when he when he grabbed his lightsaber from the ice mm-hmm you know, they could go to Hoth. I see very little reason to go back to Hoth.
1: I mean, really, and, and the it, only notable thing about Hoth is that it was completely nondescript and boring. That's why they were there.
0: Right. Illum makes a lot more sense. Illum's a lot more exciting if that's where they're at here. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about this shit behind them because mm-hmm. it's not the razor Crest. There was some talk last night about what it might be, but honestly... I'm not sure. I'm curious about the symbol on the side of it. I I don't know. I, we'll find out. But it's um, another symbol, another marking here. But I don't know. I don't recognize the ship The right ship off. is
1: covered in snow. It's been there a little while. Yeah,
0: it looks derelict.
1: I am going to say, I think it would be really interesting to see, especially we've seen stories like the Legends of Luke Skywalker. And I feel like those kinds of stories are going to be what he's after. I feel like he's going to be tracking those people down and listening to go to those stories and going to those places. Um, he's going to be looking for any whispers he's heard of the man with mysterious powers and he's going to be going and, you know, it would be really interesting to see because a lot of the stories in the legends of Luke Skywalker, we see him coming up against, um, different kinds of force users, you know, people who view the force very differently, who have really different philosophies and interactions with the force, uh, call it different things, and so it might be interesting to kind of come across some of those things as well. We haven't explored any of those things anywhere other than the books, and I think that those are some interesting stories.
0: The next thing we kind of move on to are these shots. There's a lot of quarren. Yeah. So one would assume that we're on Moncala mm hmm yeah, unless the Quarren have you know the the Quarren and the Moncala have been at each other's throats for ever forever, so you know maybe this is a colony of of Quarren somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It's not like these are not spacefaring right people, and so maybe it's somewhere else, Moncala makes the most sense um, I can't tell exactly. I'm assuming this is some sort of port city. It looks like it's lots of boat. Those look like fishing boats, right? Well, They've got nets and stuff, right? So it could be a fishing village of some sort. Um, although I was never really inclined to believe that the Quarant or the Moncala
1: lived above mm-hmm. the water. I, I mean, no, they 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 live under the water. So, but maybe there are other. Maybe they have some kind of other creatures who live on the the land right on their planet but then we
0: we get this shot of uh, you know a ship actually out on the water right
1: which is so weird like in Star Wars because you see very little boats happening because typically you just take your daggum ship where you want to go right I mean have we ever seen a boat other than those skiff runners and uh what do they call though? Those those little things that, that, that Ray takes out um on
0: well, we more or less see Obi Wan and Jar Jar and Qui-Gon use. I mean, it's more of a submarine than That's a boat. True. But, yeah. You know, so but yeah, we see those and we see um there are boats in uh at CantoBite, but it also flies. We see it on the water, and then we see it go off the waterfall, and it just keeps going straight. Right. But still was a sort of a cruise ship.
1: So I think that— This is not a cruise ship, though. This is solely utilitarian. This is way more—it looks way more low-tech than what we typically see in Star Wars, which is kind of intriguing. Right. Maybe Although you
0: do see the—you know, it's definitely got big eye on engines.
1: So I don't know. It'll be
0: interesting to see. Now, of course, the most interesting thing about this shot— This locale is this mysterious figure that's going to show up here. This is probably the thing that's gotten the most talk.
1: I think she's a force user.
0: Okay, so I I think that's possible. I think there are a couple of possibilities here.
1: If she's not, then they're definitely out to... That is definitely a red herring, if we're not. Right, because
0: the trailer... The thing is that the way it's done with the trailer could be completely misleading. Yeah. The because the the voiceover from the armor runs through the whole thing. Right. And so we get to this point, we get this character that shows up just as she's talking about this race of sorcerers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So could be a red herring. It, it could be intentional. Uh, this is the character this is the actress who a lot of people believed would be playing Sabine. Right. Um, so what do you think about that? I mean again Sabine makes Sabine makes more sense to me to show up in this show than almost any other rebels character. More than any other rebels character really. Yeah. Sabine makes a ton of sense. If we if we're telling the story of the Jedi, I mean of the if we're telling the story of the Mandalorians Mm-hmm. As kind of our backdrop. At
1: least some wrens show it up. Makes then, sense. then we
0: need to like know more about why, you know, what happened to her. And um, I guess the other one that makes a lot of sense is Bo Katan. Mm-hmm. We need to find out at least what happened to Bokatan. It's possible that Bo Katan's dead. Right. But you know, because she doesn't have the dark saber, so i my assumption is kind of that she was killed, and that's why she doesn't have the dark saber anymore, right. But what do you think the odds of this being Sabine are?
1: I don't there there's nothing about the character. There's nothing that leads me to think that she's Sabine, other than the fact that the actress frequently has colorful hair.
0: Right. I mean, so, seriously, so the, that's... all of the rumors about her being Sabine solely stem from the fact that she that she regularly dyes her hair bright vibrant colors. that that's not you don't you don't hire an actress because she dyes her hair right. Like anybody can dye their hair or they can put a wig on them. I, you know there's right So that in of itself now, I have no problem with this actress showing up and being Sabine right. Like I I I would th- I think that would be great. I think it's more likely that this is a Force user of some sort. Mm-hmm. Sith, Jedi, I don't know. Yeah. She could be a she could be a former inquisitor. Yeah. She's kind of got that vibe going on with the black.
1: Mhm. So um I mean I think you know I know a lot of people are are pointing out that the actress is not Asian. So I guess the, the assumption is that because the voice actress uh is of Indian descent that naturally they have to cast an Asian actor, but you know, it doesn't necessarily translate that way.
0: No, well no. I mean, because obviously if Rosario Dawson is playing Ahsoka Tano, you went from a white actress to
1: mm-hmm.
0: a black actress. And and I mean I'm that's fine. Right. But I, I don't think it's not like we've ever had this rule where the voice actor or the voice actor somehow dictates now i do think there were some design elements to the Wren clan that are asian but the, here's here's where i come down on this if this is the choice they made if this is Sabine Wren and Dave Filoni had a hand in making this choice of mm-hmm. one of his characters right I have no problem with that whatsoever. I never believed that she was playing Sabine because the reason people came, the the reasoning behind that was sort of off the wall. Yeah, wouldn't mind it being Sabine, just don't think it is. I don't think we're to the point where we're necessarily going to introduce Sabine. I and
1: mean, I think she's going to be some kind of force user. I think that they and well, that's she, my guess she may you, be. I mean, especially like in the the Knights of the Old Republic, we come across. Some force users that initially their allegiance is very suspect, right? You know, they're, they they sort of walk that line. That suppose you you're not supposed to be able to walk between the light and the dark. Of course, you know, ultimately everybody comes out on a side. Um, right, but I think that she just her vibe kind of gives off force adept at least, mm-hmm. who isn't necessarily a jedi.
0: Right. That's well, what I kind of get it, from it and her. it makes sense that if you're out there and you're trying to track down the remnants of this this group you don't necessarily you don't really know what you're looking for. Right. And you might stumble up on the wrong one, you know, right. it's it's it wouldn't be that big of a surprise if this turns out to be you know, doesn't necessarily have to be a Sith. I, you know, I think sometimes we forget that Jedi and Sith are are religions,
1: right? And There's, they so are. You
0: could be a Dark Side Force user without being a follower of the Sith right. tenets, right? You know, at least in the EU, we know there are tenets of what is a Jedi and what is a Sith. But I, I think, really, as far as what there is to talk about in this trailer. Like, this is, of course, the, w- the one real kind of mystery, other than some of the locales.
1: I mean, and she's, like, perfectly set up. I mean, that's clearly the point. She's wearing a dark, you know, mantle. Her face is, you know, slightly obscured um, in, in most of the, the shots. You know, you only get one real shot where you can actually see her pretty well, and she right. disappears.
0: And I love the... Uh, when she when she disappears, you know, Mando and the child just kind of look at each other. Like
1: hmm. <laughs> that's not suspicious at all. Um, so
0: I think that's a I, I I'm gonna say not Sabine, but would be pleasantly surprised if it was.
1: I mean. I wouldn't be surprised if Sabine shows up at some point, but I kind of hope that if she does, it's a little more of a surprise. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. All right. So I think the next thing we kind of wanted to touch on real quick. I, we're kind of we're kind of running out of time here, but the next big thing were the Razor Crest flanked by the two X wings. Right. So what do you think's going on there?
1: I mean, I think he's getting pulled over. <laughs> I think it's "Hello sir, you're not supposed to be here." I yeah. You know, pull over or be detained. And I, I the, agree. And the next scene definitely shows two X-wings in pursuit of the Razor Crest. Right.
0: I, my my impression from that is that it's a they pulled up next to him. They've told him to stand down.
1: And he don't and listen. And
0: he's not listening. And the X foils open. The next thing we see is them chasing him. So I think it was right. a you know unmarked freighter. Please pull over to the side of the hyperlane sort of situation. Yep. I I don't really know. I mean, a lot of the, some people think it's an escort. I think that he's somewhere he's not supposed to be. We also have to remember that he flew out of a station that was blown up by New Republic X wings in season one. Like Oh right. So he was seen leaving yeah. that station just before the X Wings blew just, it to hell.
1: Just before uh the directors blew it up. Right. So That's definitely the name of their brigade, right? They're the directors. <laughs> so
0: could be that he's gone somewhere where he's gotten in trouble with a New Republic patrol. Mm-hmm. Or it could be that he they're on the lookout for him now.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's true. I didn't think about that.
0: So I think we kind of. It sounds like we both kind of had the same takeaway from the from the X wings. You know, we got this great shot of what again looks like Tatooine. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that, that's Tatooine. It has to be Tatooine, right? Yeah.
1: I mean, if if it's not, it's a very similar. Although one of those buildings is in a bad state. Looks like it's recently been. Oh, this could be. Um, what is? What was the planet that just got blown all to hell? by the uh
0: that's true maybe that we're back on uh but then the kind of the next thing we move into are are shots of all of the imperial stuff
1: Mm
0: -hmm. we've got tie fighters we've got speeder bikes we've got regular stormtroopers we've got bike troopers right um in fact we've got something going on on really what almost looks like the inside of a star destroyer yeah So I don't know. I'll be curious to see. I mean, obviously this trailer is showing things like really out of order. And I think probably only from the first episode or two. I think so. Yeah. Lots of cool speeder bike action. Not a lot to say about it. We get this great shot of the Mandalorian rocketing across the dunes with some armor or something on the back of this speeder that appears to be an old jetpack. I mean,
1: it's reminiscent for sure.
0: Well, it's a jetpack for sure, but it's sort of reminiscent of Boba Fett's uh, jetpack minus the rocket. There's another little thing here because a lot of people are talking about not wanting Boba Fett to show up. Now, Uh specifically listed with this episode, this is season two, episode one. There is a IMDb sometimes gets things wrong. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Is it can like can it be edited by users?
0: Uh, I don't really know who who updates IMDb information, uh-huh. but I would like to point out that season that if you go to Tim Morrison's IMDb page, uh-huh. that the Mandalorian episode two point one, so season two episode one, Tim Morrison is credited as Boba Fett for that episode of this show. That may that's not a a confirmation. Right. But.
1: Isn't Tim Morrison a little old to be playing Boba Fett at this point?
0: I mean, you're talking about somebody that was 10, 12 years old during the prequels.
1: I mean, wasn't the actor like, I mean, isn't he in his 60s? Well,
0: who cares if he's just going to be in the armor? That's true. He was in uh, Aquaman a couple of years ago, and I think he would be fine as... Is playing Boba Fett. Now, I mean, of course, there's rumors that... And we knew Tim Morrison was picked up for this. It's still possible he could show up as Rex. But to me... Or just
1: any random clone. Or
0: any random clone, which I kind of thought might be what Cobb Vance
1: hmm. might have been. Yeah.
0: And because of the, the, the sort of the mystery around who he was and everything, mm-hmm. uh, that... Maybe he was a clone, so that could be interesting to have Tim Morrison show up as a clone who is parading around in Boba Fett's armor. Right. Um,
1: Who's going to tell him you're not Boba Fett? I mean, <laughs> it's genetically identical.
0: Right. So, I, I the thing is, is I think we're reaching the point where it makes less and less sense to have a clone show up.
1: Right, because I mean they they've got accelerated lifespans.
0: Right. And they didn't leave, live an easy life. Right. So <laughs> I, I think we're getting to the point where having clones show up becomes, not that it's impossible, but it becomes more questionable. So it, it's not impossible. I'm I'm not interested in seeing, I'm really not that interested in seeing clones. Yeah. Like I, that to me makes the least sense. To me, having a clone show up, unless Cobb Vanth mm-hmm. is a clone. Yeah then this actually makes less sense to me than any of the other characters we've mentioned potentially showing up.
1: Yeah. Um, At some point, I think that we do need to explore what happened, because that's millions of people that just sort of disappear by the time the Empire rises 30 years later, like, I mean, do they all just die in that interim? That's, you know, I think that that story might should be explored at some point.
0: But then we get more shots on this ice planet. Mm-hmm. And this is what makes me think it's Ilum. Like, mm-hmm.
1: Those um, those structures, those kind of big ice. Uh, it's just this
0: big ice cavern.
1: It's Yeah. It would be interesting to pull the, the, the shots of the surface of Ilum.
0: If you go to the Jedi Fallen Order video game, mm-hmm. This just looks like Ilum, so I, I think that that could be interesting. Gam- Gamorreans with skinny legs, um, which overall the Gomorians just look a little too skinny to me in, in general.
1: Maybe these are slightly less well-fed. Gamorians. These are like
0: you know distance running Gamorians. You know they're
1: they're not they're not really bred for wrestling. They're bred for <laughs> distance running.
0: I don't know. That's uh. That's interesting. Um, And
1: then there's the one-eyed cyclops, as Adeline said. (laughs) Yeah, the one-eyed cyclops.
0: Um, So, I mean, we kind of get, at this point, we've kind of started back over and we're recycling through locations, I believe. I believe this is the dimly lit location we see them in early in the trailer. Mm -hmm. I think probably, of course, you get the one great shot of the child, uh, the whistling birds Uh activate. And
1: he's like, nope. Yeah. Peace out, homies.
0: <laughs> he knows what's coming and he doesn't want to uh, be exposed to it. So he, you know, quickly shuts the door. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that was the cutest thing in the whole Oh, that tower. was definitely like, I mean, it was the only thing that like, I mean, most of it's just like, you're just sitting there going, wow, this is amazing looking. And then this is like the one thing that like evokes a response from mm-hmm. you. And, and
1: I mean, it's so gum cute. Look how cute that critter is. <laughs> I mean, who would have thought that a Yoda species could be so cute? They hit the nail on the head with it for sure.
0: They did. They, they they got this right.
1: And they managed to get all, you know, the big eyes and the, you know, the chubby cheeks, all the things that emotions find, emotions, that humans find most biologically compelling in infants. You know, the 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 big eyes and the round cheeks, you know, the sort of things that you look at and go, baby, you know, it's very believable why Mando would look at that and be like, nope, ain't shooting it. Right.
0: But, you know, and that's pretty much, that wraps the trailer up. You know, we see the, see the child close himself up to protect himself from the fight he knows is about to go down. And we get a lot of good black screen with some fighting sounds and, yeah, uh, one good shot of the Mandalorian kicking butt, which is, you know, that it's everything the trailer needed to be. It, it's yeah, you didn't need. The thing is, is that you didn't have to do much to sell people on on this. I mean, Absolutely it's, not. it's already sold. Um, so they gave us some shots kind of like wet our appetite for what's to come. And mm-hmm. I can't wait for this show to start. Yep. Um, I, I'm a little, you know, sad. I still have to wait a month and a half to see it at this point. but
1: I mean, geez, it's 2020. By now, the whole word world could have burned by the end of October. (laughs)
0: Um, But no, it it looks fantastic. I I can't wait to see it. As far as, I I think the big question left lingering is who is going to show up. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode, of course, on Radio Underground. Marisha, where can people find you online?
1: You can find me at my website, princessesandpadawans.com. You can find me on Instagram if you like to see things that are, you know, six months older, older <laughs> <laughs> um, at princesses underscore and underscore Padawans. Or you can find me on Twitter at uh, ppadawans.
0: All right. now and I'm Andrew Gore. You can find me running the Twitter account for this show at crew underscore podcast at CRU underscore podcast. You can find me at the science You can find me on our other show, the science fictionary podcast, where I host our Thursday shows and David hosts our Monday shows. And, and also we want to remind you that this podcast is a member of the red five network. You can go to red five network.com to find this podcast. You can listen to our most recent episodes there You can check out the rest of our Red 5 family there as well. Uh, So we highly encourage you to go visit red5network.com and to, to follow Red 5 Network on Twitter. And until next time, may the Force be with you.